The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that changed them forever. I'm so sorry about our two-week hiatus. Yep, it's kind of like a little mini vacation for us, even though we've been working our butts off I was going to say, what kind of weeks. vacation is that? I've right. been getting my butt kicked. Right, yeah, but... we're sorry for the, the pauses this season again, but like we said in post... We don't do this for as our full-time job, so if real-world if real issues come into play, then they take precedence. So. Yep. So anyway, we're back, and this week's story is called The Foster Child, The Murder of Lisa Knoffel. On November 16, 2012, a 911 call came into the dispatch center in Lake County, Ohio. On the other end of the line was a hysterical teenage girl. It was very difficult for the 911 operator to understand what she was saying because she was so upset. But you can hear her tell the dispatcher that someone was killing her mom. Eventually, the dispatcher understood the caller's older sister was stabbing her mother. Police rushed to the home where they first met the caller. The caller was hysterical, saying her older sister was killing her mother. Soon after they arrived, 18-year-old Sabrina Zunick walked out of the house with a knife in hand, covered in blood. Police ordered her to drop her weapon, and she complied. Inside the house, a terrible scene awaited the police. Lisa Marie McIntosh was born May 20, 1971, in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. She was born to William and Rita McIntosh. Lisa had a daughter from a relationship that didn't work out, and around 2006, she married Kevin Knoffel. Kevin had a son, and together, they had a daughter together in 2009. Kevin worked as a truck driver, while Lisa worked as a social worker with the Department of Children and Family Services. Lisa specialized in child abuse cases, often involving sexual abuse, and she had a passion for helping young people. That's a hard job. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I wouldn't want... That's one of those jobs that I wouldn't want at all. No. Kevin and Lisa decided to become foster parents. You know, Lisa already has this compassion. She works in the child welfare system. So she she sees these things and all these kids that need a good foster home. So it kind of makes sense why she went that route. And it also shows what a compassion person you know, compassionate person that she is. And she really had this commitment just to help people. According to a friend of Lisa's, quote, when she had foster children, she treated them like her own. She made sure she went the extra mile to be a good parent, end quote. During the summer of 2011, the couple welcomed 16-year-old Sabrina Zunick into their home. Sabrina was born October 27, 1994, near Cleveland. Her parents both struggled with alcohol and substance abuse. They were often in trouble with the law, and so Sabrina's home life really was never stable. 
And in fact, someone that knew her said that at one point she was given vodka in her baby bottle so that she would go to sleep. Like that bad that you have to give your child vodka in a baby bottle. It's just awful. As a result of her childhood, Sabrina had significant behavioral and mental health issues as a child, and these included attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, oppositional defiance disorder, which usually goes with the ADHD, bipolar disorder, anxiety, and depression. After being taken out of her parents' custody, Sabrina went to live with her grandmother. However, her grandmother's health declined just as Sabrina was becoming a young teenager, and Sabrina was rebellious. And so the combination of her failing health and her rebellious granddaughter just was too much for her grandmother. And so when Sabrina was 14, she was placed in the foster care system. She was bounced from foster homes to group homes, and finally in 2011, she was placed with Lisa and Kevin Knoffel. Kevin and Lisa welcomed the teenager into their home, helping her really to get her life on track and have some kind of sense of direction. Under their care, Sabrina started going to school regularly and earning pretty good grades. She was doing well, and she had expressed wishes to become a massage therapist. However, Lisa started butting heads a little bit with Sabrina. Sabrina seemed to be very close to her stepfather, Kevin, And Sabrina began to resent Lisa's rules and restrictions and found it much easier to talk to Kevin. She felt that Lisa treated her biological children better, further adding to tensions. Lisa told her friends that she planned to force Sabrina to leave their home in January of 2013 as the girl was now 18 years old. And, you know, they're just buttonheads. They're not getting along. So kind of makes sense. You know, you're out of the foster care system and... You know, right. On November 16th, 2012, Kevin was working on the road as a truck driver and Lisa was at home with the kids. That evening, her teenage and three-year-old daughters heard their mother screaming. They rushed to her bedroom and found Sabrina viciously stabbing Lisa over and over and over and over. The toddler ran into the closet to hide while Lisa's teenage daughter begged Sabrina to stop and placed a 911 call. Could you imagine a little three-year-old child hiding in the closet because somebody that she considers her sister is stabbing her mother? I couldn't imagine that at all. Like how traumatizing. That has to be just awful. When she made the call, she was absolutely hysterical as she told police that her sister was stabbing her mother. At the scene, Lisa Knoffel was pronounced dead and Sabrina was immediately taken into custody. She almost got herself shot coming out of the house with the weapon in her hand. I mean, she's really lucky. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of cops that'll... Stop. I mean, if it's a knife, it's a different kind of thing. But Yeah, she's still lucky that they didn't just shoot her. Lisa's murder was particularly brutal and included 178 stab wounds. Jesus. 178. And it's not even like just one knife. It was multiple knives, too. Right. Multiple knives 
were broken and twisted and bent so much to the point where Sabrina had to go get another knife to continue this murder. Damn. Sabrina actually was twisting the knives while they were inside of Lisa, which is one of the reasons she bent so many of them. Lisa's young daughter was found huddled in the closet, scared beyond measure. And both of Lisa's biological daughters watched Sabrina stab their mother over and over and over. I mean, they will never outlive that. No. Like, that is going to be probably the worst thing in their life yeah. for the rest of their... <laughs> I hope it's the worst thing that ever happens yeah, to them. Yeah, fuck. Like, there's not too much else that can get worse than that. Like, it's just terrible. Initially, the police believed that Sabrina was a troubled teenager who kind of snapped, lashing out at her foster mother. But friends and family members of Lisa Knoffel were immediately suspicious that there was more to this story. Lisa's 13-year-old daughter found her stepfather's behavior strange. He didn't really seem to be sad or grieving, just kind of a matter of fact. Even upon notification, he seemed overly calm. While awaiting trial, Sabrina decided to come forward to investigators with the rest of the story. Sabrina told authorities what they already suspected. Sabrina had been having a sexual relationship with her foster father. How ironic is it that this woman fought in child sex abuse cases, took in a foster child only for her spouse to sexually abuse said child? Right. Like, seriously? fuck she was very wrong about kevin very wrong she said it started out as a massage since she wanted to be a massage therapist kevin had asked her to practice on him and suggested you know where she should massage and it grew more and more sexual and eventually sabrina said that kevin would bring her to school every morning and on the way to school she would provide oral sex. That's fucking sick. Yeah. I just I just don't even... I don't have any words for it. Your wife is a social worker that works with abused children and you are a child abuser. That's just... It's mind-boggling. And Lisa likely never saw this coming, which is sad. According to Sabrina, they began having intercourse when she was 17 years old. Despite the age of consent laws, a foster child in Ohio, this is still considered statutory rape. So it doesn't matter if 17 is the age of consent because she was a foster right. child. It's still rape. Right. Sabrina went on to explain that she and Kevin were in love. She said that Kevin had explained to her that he did not love Lisa and he wanted a divorce. He eventually told her, though, that Lisa was worth more dead than alive. He told her that he wanted to be with Sabrina and raise his young daughter that he had with Lisa as their own. So he's telling her, like, if she's out of the picture, you can raise this baby with me. Yeah. And this is a 17-year-old girl who's never had any kind of stability, you know, never had a father figure. Nope. And now her father figure turns out to be a monster. And when investigators looked into this story, because, I mean, on the surface, you could say that maybe she's making this up, right? Right. You know, like, what proof do we have? So 
as they investigated deeper, it turns out that Kevin had $800,000 in life insurance benefits on his wife. Fuck. Not, you know, 150, no, $800,000. And then to make matters worse, they learned that he had called to collect on the payout nine hours after Lisa's murder. Nine hours. Damn. Now, his defense attorney and several other defense attorneys have brought up the point that it's not uncommon for people to cash in life insurance quickly because they're trying to make funeral plans. And a lot of times that those kind of go together. Right. However, nine hours seems a little excessive. pretty, Pretty quick. Most people haven't even met with a funeral home yet. Right. You know, that just seems a little bit much. Sabrina said that Kevin told her not only that he wanted her to kill Lisa, but how to do it, instructing her to stab her and twist the knife while it's inside of her to make it more bloody, you know, ensure she dies. Right. He told her that she should make it look like a robbery or a burglary gone wrong. He allegedly told her that if she did get caught, she could claim insanity. When pulling phone records, detectives noticed that Kevin and Sabrina texted frequently including communicating just before Lisa's murder, like minutes before the murder started. Under interrogation, Kevin denied being a part of his wife's murder and denied having any sort of sexual relationship with his foster daughter. He claimed that Sabrina was mentally unstable and had fabricated this relationship. So he's basically saying, you know, she's like fatal attraction stalker. Right. I just don't know, like... In the absence of the text messages and the life insurance, you almost there's nothing can't really, really no, there's, prove him wrong. Right. Um, some people believe that his goal all along was to have Sabrina get caught in the act and possibly killed by police because then there's no way they would ever connect it back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's possible. Kevin was arrested and charged with complicity to commit aggravated murder and sexual battery. He pleaded not guilty. Sabrina, on the other hand, you know, she was caught red handed. There's no question. She did plead guilty to aggravated murder in August of 2014. She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. She'll be eligible for parole in 2042, at which time she'll be 47. So not talking about Kevin, just talking about Sabrina here. Do you think that that's appropriate sentence? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 30 years minimum. 178 stab wounds. Oh, I know. I don't know. I have a hard time wrapping my head around her ever being free. Well, here's the thing. Like, it's the possibility of parole. It's not just it's not guaranteed. That's true. I do believe she was manipulated. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's the possibility, you know. I don't know, though. 178 stab wounds. I just it's hard to wrap my head around. It is, but. Like I like I said, it can she be rehabilitated? Don't know, but that's why they, it's the possibility for parole. You know, like at minimum, she's going to serve thirty years. That's a lot better than some people get. Yeah, that's very true. You know? 
I think the real drama in this case came at Kevin's trial. The defense told the jury that there was no evidence against Kevin Knoffel outside of Sabrina's word, which was kind of true. I mean, everything else is very circumstantial. Yeah. I mean, not I mean, unless they were able to see exactly what the text messages were. Well, there was no witnesses other than Sabrina, no DNA, no videotaped evidence or anything else including content of text messages that would conclusively prove that Kevin Knoffel was conspiring with Sabrina to kill Lisa. So there's literally not a shred of physical evidence. It's this is all based on Sabrina's say so. However, the state of Ohio did call Sabrina Zunick to stand uh, to testify. She explained the details of how Kevin groomed her, beginning a sexual affair with her when she was just 17. And I don't think she used the word groomed, but that's exactly what he did. She recalled Kevin telling her that they could be together if Lisa was dead. And that Lisa was really worth more dead than alive you know he didn't want to have to go through a divorce and a custody battle he wanted to raise his three-year-old daughter with sabrina is what he told sabrina anyway and so then he allegedly walked her through how to kill lisa and how to stage the scene the defense tried to imply that sabrina was a convicted murderer and so she was not a credible witness I don't know. Like, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like there's enough evidence? Like, it's, it would be, in my heart, did he do it? Yes. Like, this is what he did. Like, if I'm just going by what my gut tells me. Mm-hmm. As far as evidence, though, you have nothing. So, apparently, a few of Sabrina's friends did also testify that, like, Sabrina had told them about her relationship with Kevin and her plan to kill Lisa. They didn't really think she was serious, so they didn't do anything about it. But so, I mean, there was some corroboration of what she was saying. Right. But still that doesn't. And then the text messages right before the murder started, that kind of leans you that way. I mean, that's what's kind of telling me, yeah, this is probably true is, but I want to know what the context of the text messages were. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, if it's just, like, because that that blows it all out of, like, in either out of proportion, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to blow it out of the water. Because if it was the way a husband and wife text, it's different than a husband or a father and daughter text, you know? So, while we don't have the context, we do know that Kevin texted Sabrina more than 10 times the number of texts that he sent his wife. Now, that's a little odd. Like, extremely more texting going on with his foster daughter. But maybe that's how she was comfortable talking to him. Like, I'm just playing devil's advocate because maybe maybe that's how maybe that's how she was comfortable telling him stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, in my gut, yes, he groomed her and was complicit in it. Legally... Oh, I don't so, know, you know. You have some people that can say, you know, that Sabrina told them things before it happened. So that kind of leads a little bit more to 
believing her story. You've got the text messages, frequency and time period, which sort of adds credibility to that. You've got the insurance, which I am not a fan of using, oh, they filed for life insurance. Well, of course they fucking did. Like, why do you have life insurance if you're not going to file for it when someone passes? So, so I don't really feel like that's evidence of wrongdoing. I hate when they try to say that, but. Yeah, but I mean, and honestly, I have no clue about these kind of situations either because I've never had to file for in, like help in, or life insurance, but it's not going to be nine hours. Well, right. That's the part like, that bothers me is that it was nine hours. And then like 800,000 seems excessive. I don't know but the, you the don't... state of their finances, but you know, him being a truck driver and her a social worker, to me, 800,000 seems truck, excessive. Some truck drivers make bank though. Well, I realize you that. Know? But... And you, like, you don't, like, I don't know the situation, but yeah, 800,000. She works for children and family services. So she, <laughs> she don't make that much. I promise you. Right, but you know, you, I mean, it's, it seems excessive. You don't know, you know. Right, it seems excessive, but we don't know. Right, so I mean, it's 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 circumstantial, but is it enough? I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's enough? I think it's probably more than enough. Well, the jury agreed with you. They found Sabrina credible. They convicted Kevin Knoffel, who was forty-three. Um, at the time he was convicted on all charges in June of 2014. He was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 40 years. So do you think his sentence was enough? Yeah. If he really did what they accused him of, I don't think he should have any possibility for parole. I'm not saying there was enough evidence to convict him of it, Right. If he groomed this 17-year-old girl who he was caring for as a foster child, sexually abused her, and then convinced her to kill his wife with his other children at home, mind you. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I mean, yeah, part of me thinks... I mean, it's life with the possibility after 40. And he'll be an old fucker by then. Yeah, but I don't know. You know. If he's the kind of monster he's convicted of being, I don't think he should ever see the light of day. Right. But we can't really definitively prove that he's that kind but of monster. But it shouldn't matter anymore. He was, he was convicted of it, right? I, right. The it's, jury said they had no reasonable right. doubts. So he should, you know, I mean, punishment's got to fit the crime. Some speculate that Kevin had planned, like I said earlier, for Sabrina to be killed by police. That way he could just get away with it completely. That makes sense to me, really. Because why else would he right. have him do it when the kids were still awake? Right. You know, he wanted 911 to get called. He made sure he was on the road. I mean, I kind of think he planned that. I don't think he wanted to be with Sabrina. I think he just wanted his wife dead and didn't right. want to do it. So he took advantage of a foster kid who had a shit life. Yeah. The defense team, however, continues to say that Kevin is innocent and Sabrina Zunick was crazy and manipulative. Lisa's loved ones believe Kevin is guilty and is justifiably going to spend most of his life, what's left of it, in prison. It's believed that Kevin wanted the life insurance payout to avoid a custody battle. And so for these reasons, he groomed his teenage foster daughter. Not only sexually abusing her, but coercing her to commit murder. And, I, I agree with the family. Well, and then, like, what I think is really shitty about it is 
she was impressionable and I get that, but like you killed the one person that really was trying to help you because right. your foster father wasn't, he was taking advantage of you. And then I find it extremely ironic that a social worker in children and family services specializing in sex abuse cases takes a foster care, a foster child into her care and that foster child ends up sexually abused by her husband. Right. That's just ironic. It is. But there was an episode of Snapped about this case. And then there was this, um, there's like a spinoff. It's called Snapped Behind Bars. And Sabrina Zunick gives a prison interview. And she's very tearful and apologetic and, you know, seems to show genuine remorse. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, if she was coerced the way that I think she was, I can see her getting out after 30 years. Okay. I just have a hard time wrapping my head around if she can be rehabilitated. She's never had stability ever. No. Nope. Once in her life. Nope. Not at all. And so that's just kind of scary. So hopefully if she gets a second chance, she doesn't squander it and she does something positive with it. Yeah. I mean, she'll still be fairly young. 43 i think you said convicted 40. felon so she's she's right. reduced her chances opportunities for sure so i don't know what do you think of this story i think he's fucked in the head it's pretty messed up yeah. right yep just a little bit well i hope you guys enjoyed this i'm sorry that it's taken us a few weeks to get you a new story uh, patreons i have not forgotten about you as soon as we are able we are going to release a boatload of new patreon exclusive content so thank you guys for your patience um in the meantime if you want to become a patreon you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and you'll have access to our entire vault of patreon exclusive episodes and then for gold and silver members which are the five and ten dollar levels you also have access to letters that i've received from some uh convicted murderers and some other special content i forget what's all in there these days but um there's definitely letters from tom odell and scott endicott yep. and just a couple other little odds and ends i think we got um an email one time from the girlfriend oh it was the sparta killer yep the one that he killed the one store clerk because she said she liked a movie that his yeah. girlfriend liked that he was breaking up with. It's from the girlfriend. So oh, shit. that added some more context. So if you guys want to see all that stuff, it's all on our Patreon page. Just head on over to Patreon. We appreciate your guys' support more than you will ever yep. know. And if any of you guys are interested in reading more about these these crimes... You can head on over to the midwestcrimefiles.com and any of the post any of the blog posts that are up, Gina has a links in the bottom uh, for any all of the material that she used, like different episodes all my and references. different yep, all the references. So if you guys feel like reading some more, go ahead and head on over there. But like she said, we're sorry for the interruptions in our scheduled broadcasts. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be back on like back on track. I don't know about her schedule, but mine's getting hectic again, and I think hers is still pretty hectic. But we're gonna try to at least get one of these out every week for you guys. But until next week, we will see you guys later. Bye. <laughs>